Hello and welcome to another episode of the Wonky Cast. This week's episode is episode number 15 and it's a slight departure from normal as this week's show it's my lovely wife Emma who takes centre stage uh, being that this was the interview that she recorded on stage at the Sci-Fi Weekend of the other week with Julian Glover. As well as this, we'll have uh, my interview next week with James Cosmo coming out. You can also check out our uh, special review edition of Sci-Fi Weekender 6 on our Nerd vs. World show. Uh, I'll stick links to that in the show notes. For those of you who don't know about the Sci-Fi Weekender, it's an excellent weekend in Wales. It takes place in March every year. Uh, tickets are now open and bookings are being taken for Sci-Fi Weekender 7, uh, which is in 2016. So if you're interested, then get along, get your tickets booked, because uh, everything is sold out this year. And uh, tickets for next year are going fast. Again, the links for that will be in the show notes, so check them out. And so without further ado, I present Emma's interview with Julian Glover in full. Enjoy. Hi, my name is Emma Pottast from the Wonky Spanner website and podcasts. We are all here to hear about the life and exploits of Julian Glover. Julian is an especially hard-working and internationally renowned actor, appearing in theatre, TV and big-budget um, films for over 50 years. Uh, in 1993, he received the Laurence Olivier Award for the Best Actor in a Supporting Role for Henry IV. In 2013, he received a Commander of the Order of the British Empire in for services to drama, plus he has a whole three Lego characters, um, even though one is a giant spider. Uh, can you put your hands together and welcome, please, Julian Glover. Well, I think that about covers it. <laughs> so you have um, three... Just before you start, um, I'm deaf, and I'm deaf in a funny way that um, actually uh, sound like this is not good for me. So I might have to ask to repeat a question or something like that, so please don't be embarrassed. Um, I'll be the one who'll be embarrassed. <laughs> okay. So you have uh, three Lego characters to your name. Um, you have General Veers. You have uh, Donovan, and you also have Aragog the Spider. Well, yeah, I've got <laughs> Aris Christatos in the Bond film. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've been lucky that I've, um, I've managed to be in all the major franchises of the last century, which is really lucky. Is there a bar at the back there? <laughs> ah, yes. You always have to work through alcohol, I find, in Wales. <laughs> 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 um, yes, I mean, it, it's happened purely by chance that I've been in these major franchises. And um, uh, the only one I've not done is Star Trek, which I'm furious about. That would have completed the set. That would have been good. I've never played Robin Hood either. Um, but then I don't think I'm a Robin Hood type. Do you? Oh, maybe I am. No, I'm, I'm more of a, a sheriff of Nottingham, aren't I? Yeah. <laughs> so how was it being General Veers? Well, General Veers actually was a bit tiresome. Um, w w 
We were aware that we were in the second film um, of something which had been very exciting. We had no idea where it was going to go. We just, we were pleased to be in it, or having seen the first Star Wars film, which was simply remarkable, particularly for people of my age, but when we, we were young when it first came out. And we could, you've seen a lot of stuff like that since, but at that time it was simply remarkable uh, for us seeing those, those uh, the aeroplanes going between those ravines and things. Oh God, it was fantastic. Anyway, we were aware that it was, it was obviously going to be quite successful. Uh, we had no idea that uh, I believe to be the case, I believe to be the case, and I'm not the only one, that um, actually Empire Strikes Back is the, is the best of, of, of the, the, the early franchise. It, 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 it is, isn't it? Yeah. It's nothing to do with me being in it. It's just, it's, it's, a, <laughs> it's a much more mature film. It, it, it's gathered together all the good things of the first one and got rid of the rubbish. And, well, you know what I mean. And, uh, and it's a really, really good film. And it, but doing the film itself was not much fun. I only had about five days on it. Um, uh, and ha a lot of hanging around. And then when you're on the set, um, uh, being hassled very quickly because they wanted to get it done very quickly, suddenly, you know, you'll wait for three hours. And then suddenly, get, get on with it, Julian. Get on with it. Come on. Um, oh, don't dry now. You know my drying story in that one, no? Did I tell you? Um, the scene which I've got in that, oh yes, I, you know that fighting machine I'm in, that attack thing? Um, that thing that looks like a giraffe. Uh, uh, but I, when I filmed it, um, I was on a, a, a gantry on a, uh, well, up high with a blue screen behind me and a, a, a mock-up control panel here, not the one you saw. Um, and they shook me about, and, and, and I had no idea what that thing that I, was that I was driving until I saw the film. <laughs> oh, that's me, is it? In such a like that head. Anyway, I had some sort of rather s silly stuff to say while I was up there, um, and there was one line that I had, which I had to go 16 takes on. And now you'll understand why it was so difficult for me, um, when I explained to you, li listen to this line, I really try to concentrate to get actually what it means. But what, you'll understand why I was so confused about it all. The line is, target the main generator. Only mitigating circumstances, I did have a lot of other things to say all around it. And when I got to target the main generator, 16 times I tried. I was not a popular man on the set. <laughs> <laughs> but you uh, returned to General Veers in Lego Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Out. Had what? Uh, the Empire Strikes Out, the Lego film. So the Lego have taken on... Um, oh. is, it about, is it about... I'm not in it, am I? You do voice work. My on character? It. Yes. Well, in that case, the character is, is sound, is it? It's only sound. Yes. Yeah. Well, the sound uh, of my character is played by my son, Jude, Jamie Glover. And that happened absolutely by chance, I promise you. He went in to do this job, this voicing for a, 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 a sci fi film. He didn't know what it was. And they said, You're going to be playing somebody called General Veers. 
I don't believe it. They said, why don't you believe it? He said, my father played it in the original. And they hadn't made the connection between the two names Glover. <laughs> so it's weird, isn't it? In, in Star Wars, um, you, are, you act alongside David Prowse, but you went to school with him originally. No, where did that come from? <laughs> no? I separate, no, I didn't. We both live in South London, but um, ah. no, I know you're not the only person to say that. A lot of people say that. I was at school with Dave Prowse. I wasn't. But I did have that scene with him. Well, I had the scene with somebody called Darth Vader, who, yes. was, who was Dave Prowse inside a black plastic suit. <laughs> Dear old Dave, he still thinks he should have played the part properly. And <laughs> he really does, you know. He says, I don't know why I wasn't allowed to do the voice. <laughs> he's, a, he's a lovely fellow, Dave. He's lovely. He's not very well now, you know. He's, um, you know he was a, a muscle man, the green giant, remember that? Yeah, green crossing, cross crossing, the man. Yeah. crossing the roads, yes. I remember him. But <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, so another character you did was Walter Donovan um, in Indiana Jones. He was what? He was another character you did was Walter Donovan in Indiana Jones. That was a rather wonderful character. Yeah, yeah my son didn't play that. No. no. <laughs> yeah, Donovan was... Um, uh, I have to admit there was a bit of... Uh, not nepotism, but... Um, my route into, start into Indiana Jones was not quite a straight one. I lived next door to the executive producer on Star Wars called Robert Watts, uh, and then Indiana Jones. And he was the one who actually got Star Wars really going, said, you've got to do it because it's going to be wonderful. And they were all rather, thank you very much, that's terrific. Um, anyway, he said on Indiana Jones, um, would you like to be in it? I said, Coco. And um, he said, I'm, I'm, put, I'm putting up for the part of the, the German officer in it, the, the, the Nazi. I said, fine. And I went along. And um, it's the sort of part I played, horrible, nasty German officers. Um, actually, I've only played one, two Germans, uh, as it happens. But uh, people think I play them all the time. Anyway, um, I went along, and I didn't get it. I didn't get the part, so I was quite sorry about that. But the next day, my agent rang and said, they're interested in you in the part. Uh, Michael Byrne is going to play your part, the part you went out for, for, for which he is absolutely suitable. He was wonderful, isn't he? He really looked horrible, didn't he? He's brilliant. They want to see you for Donovan. Put on your American accent, go down there. So I did a whole interview with a thing called an American accent. It probably wasn't very good at that time. Um, and I got the part of Donovan. I, I simply couldn't believe it. The main, main villain in this major film with Harrison Ford, Steven Spielberg, and, um, and Sean Connery, and oh, God. Uh, and I, I got it. You did have a rather wonderful death scene. I had a very good death scene. That, that, it, <laughs> well, you can call it a good death scene. <laughs> <laughs> a good disintegration scene. Um, yeah, we started working on, that was in the days before CGI. Oh, well, there was a bit of it then, but not like it is now. All things like that are done CGI now. But it wasn't then, they, they didn't do them then. And three months before the film started, I went and had a, a face mask made, like a papier, no, um, 
uh, a plaster, like a death mask, uh, uh, so that they can then take that away and make models of it and work on different stages of me being old, uh, which is what they did. Um, and I had several of those layers, th things that brought my cheeks out, things that made my chin go out and my swell. Then they did it in reverse, and, and, and so it looked good. going on? <laughs> it's Darth Vader. <laughs> anyway, so, uh, and we shot it over, it took three days to do that, to, to, to shoot that sequence, me gradually getting older and older and older. And the, remember when my hair um, suddenly grows, like that in one great long go? What they did with that was that they had it on, uh, on the front of me here with a handle, all, the whole of the wig, uh, and they shot it in reverse and pulled it up. So that you did that, did, pulled it up like that, so that when it was in reverse, it came down, a very effective moment. Anyway, when we finished the movie, um, they said, do you want this face mask? And, uh, oh, all right, so I took it home. They'd been working on it. I looked about 180 on it. And I took it into the house and showed my wife, Isla Blair, the actress, you might know her. And um, so, how, she, I'm not having that bloody thing in the house. It's horrible. Get it out. Put it in the garage. Okay, so I put it in the garage. A few years later, we're tidying out the garage. And I said, look, I've got this thing. She said, oh, it's horrible. Get rid of it. So I put it in the bin. Oh. Well, about two years ago, uh, I was talking to a dealer about this. He said, I'd have given you 17,000 pounds on the spot, Julian, if you had that in your hand. Oh. <laughs> also, we had a set of um, uh, uh, the models, you know, the, the fir very first set ever, all the Darth Vader's and the Han Solo's and all the Princess Liars. Uh, and my son had them. He was, I don't know, about six and uh, didn't play with them very much, but did enough to get rid of the box. and. Uh, all that. And eventually got to the time when he said, do you want this? Is anyone? No, no, no. So we gave him away to a friend. Ah. <laughs> That's set think... now. I, I don't know how much it'd be worth. I don't know how much it'd be worth. That happened to an so awful lot of people. So I've been advised never throw anything out, Julian, so I haven't. <laughs> <laughs> Piles of rubbish at home. <laughs> so if we go back a very long way, you were actually in four episodes of The Avengers. With, Was I in uh, four? Um, yes. Well, I, I thought it was three, but, but, but I, I, I know you're right. Listen, you lot know a great deal more about me than I do. <laughs> uh, but you, you I'm were told I did four Avengers. Well, I suppose I did do them. You How many Saints? I think great. I did three Saints, didn't I? Three Saints, I think. Um, but one Randall Hocker, one um, uh, Champions, one Jason King. Um, Oh, all that lot. And yes, yeah, so so do you have a question? Um, no, you just you worked with the amazing Diana Rigg as uh, Mrs. Yes. Emma Peel back then, and with Tara King. And I King. was with, um, oh, what's her lovely name? Um, Tara King? Yeah, yeah what's, her, what's her character? What's her oh. actress? Linda Thorson. Yeah. Linda Thorson. Oh, <laughs> gorgeous Linda Thorson. <laughs> yeah. Uh, 
Yes, I, one enjoyed doing um, uh, the Avengers because the people were so great. He was so great. He was, just, he was just a very funny man and a very hard worker. And I didn't realize until I did the second one that the, the regulars on it were shooting three episodes, different stories at a time, running from set to set at Pinewood, going into another episode, having, to, having learned that, and put themselves into a completely different situation, uh, not to do with the story I was in. And uh, I don't know how they did that. that. That was really hard work, really hard work. And there was one period of that when Diana Rigg was doing a play in, the Lon in London, in, uh, uh, in the theatre in London. And um, so she was finishing at half past five, uh, rushing in a car to get to the theatre, doing a show, getting in at five the next morning. Uh, ooh, they worked hard. They worked hard. That's, all, being That's an all I've got to say about that. <laughs> so, uh, around the same time, you did uh, Quartermaster, uh, Quartermaster, Quartermaster in the Pit. Quartermaster in the Pit, yeah. yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, have you you've seen the, 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 new, the, 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 the cleaned up version, have you recently? Yes, it's, oh. it's, it's cleaned up very well and um, it, 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 it's lasted the years, it, it works. And again, without CGI, there's, there's models for the, the, the insects, uh, those giant insects. Uh, it worked very well and of course, they had the brilliant Andrew Keir playing Quatermass in that, and the wonderful James Donald playing the Doctor, and, and, and lovely Barbara Shelley, who's done so many of those films and does them so well, uh, and Roy Baker, who directed it, very fine director. So it was in, it, it, it had to be quite a good film, and they made it into a good film. Um, I don't know whether it was entirely better than the television version which was originally done with Andre Morel on black and white BBC television. But then I think that was in four or five parts, or maybe six parts, and, uh, and you can't really compare a film with a, a television series, can you? Um, but I loved making that film. Um, uh, I had pretty good death in that I had, too. <laughs> <laughs> the only problem with when you play bad is that you never get to do the sequel. <laughs> <laughs> There was, a, there was talk of me being in um, the next Bond film after the one I made. And the, uh, Mrs. Broccoli and his da her daughter were very keen on me coming back. But there was absolutely no way they could bring Aris Christatos back to life. It was, couldn't, couldn't be done. <laughs> <laughs> so at the moment, you're in Game of Thrones as Grandmaster Pycelle. Playing um, Grandmaster Pycelle. <laughs> who you uh, play um, a, a character who pretends to be old and doddering, but isn't quite as old and doddering as he appears to be. A man of many parts. <laughs> <laughs> that actually is quite interesting, I have to say, but it's interesting to me. There's a hell of a, an audition process for Game of Thrones, even then before we knew it was going to be such a smash. I auditioned for two parts. Uh, long speeches and didn't get them. But I did get Pycelle, okay. And I only got Pycelle by default because an actor called Roy Detrice was going to play Pycelle um, and he got very ill and he couldn't do it. I can tell this story now because he's perfectly all right now and he's got another part in it. So uh, I feel okay about it. Anyway, I thought he was quite an interesting old fella uh, and uh, did the first couple of episodes. And then I realized that all I was doing was sitting at a table and 
giving rather poor advice to, to people who didn't really want to hear it anyway. Um, and I got, I got quite bored. Uh, and so I went to the writers, and uh, one in particular, Dan, and I said, look, um, I hope what I'm doing is satisfactory for you, but um, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm a better actor than this. Um, you, give me something to do, for God's sake. And they said, he said, okay, well, we'll try and think of something. That night, this is absolutely true, <coughs> I had a dream. I had a dream. <laughs> and the dream was what happened, that I was, I was somebody who was pretending to be old and hopeless and decrepit, but in fact was quite an active person. Well, the day after that, they came in and said, we've had this idea, and we've got it from when... Um, at the end of every take, I'm, I'm the old man like that, and they say, cut, and I stand up, I put my hands in my pockets and start chatting to my friends and all that. They say, we've got this idea from that, that actually you're not a bent-over old person, you're somebody who stands up straight. Not very good today, I'm afraid, Julian, quite seriously, I've, I've cracked a rib, so I'm not moving very well. Um, and so they wrote in this wonderful scene, which uh, I presume you've seen, or you wouldn't be going, woo! <laughs> in which I'm found in bed, well, just out of bed with a girl and uh, all that, and when she goes out, I get up and stretch, and, and it's quite obvious that I'm someone who's uh, playing a very canny game. And they, they did that for me, which was wonderful, terrific. Gave me, really gave me something to think about and something to work, work with, to be those two things. However, uh, and I'm briefly found out by um, uh, Tyrion, Tyrion finds out, I'm put in prison and all that stuff. Um, but they ruined the whole thing for me, for Julian, because in the last series, those aficionados among you who look at things on uh, uh, scenes which haven't been shown um, will know that there was a scene with, between me and, uh, and Tywin on the beach in, in um, Dubrovnik in which he says, what's the matter with you? I, I, know, what, I know what you're up to. Uh, what, what's it all about? And I stand up to my full height because there's no point in pretending to be an old, decrepit old fool anymore. And I tell him, um, well, I'm determined I'm not going to die like everybody else dies. I'm not going to be killed. I'm going to die in my own bed. I've done a lot of good work for this, this country. And I'm going to die in my own bed and have a decent funeral and be properly buried, not have my head cut off or something like that. And he understood that. He said, oh, sort of, oh, yeah, good. Good idea, good idea. <coughs> a, they never used that in any other scene later. They didn't even have a look between me and Tywin. And B, they cut the scene. Oh. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was furious with them, absolutely furious. It was a very good scene. They said, well, it was time. I said, I've got little enough time in this bloody series. <laughs> give, give, give me the time I've got. But they haven't, so it's only the, the people who've looked it up who, who know that. But he's a canny old buck, that's why he's nice to, to do, because he's determined to be as much in the way as he's useful, but not enough in the way to be a nuisance. So he doesn't get his head, there's no point in cutting his head off. Nothing would happen as a result. Nobody wants him to be dead, you don't want him to be dead, do you? No, nobody cares about whether he's there or not. And, oh, here, okay, here comes old Pycelle, yes, he, he, he'll offer some useless information here. 
That might be interesting. He'll take a bit more flack from somebody else. The queen will be contemptuous of him. Okay, okay. And he ignores all that, and that's why he survives. And that's why he's actually quite fun to play, though I did wish that they'd kept that scene in. God, I bore for Europe sometimes, don't I? <laughs> Well, um, <laughs> you, you work quite a lot with the Lannisters in the series. You, um, you work a lot with the Lannisters. Um, I think we were all looking forward to the death of Joffrey in the last season. Um, <laughs> that must have been an awful lot of fun to do. Well, the death of Joffrey was... Uh, well, we, we all so wanted it. <laughs> I mean, what we don't want is the death of, um, of Tyrion. No, definitely not. We never want the death of Tyrion. Because um, he's so great. He's quite bad, he's quite naughty. In fact, he's very naughty. And he's quite cruel sometimes. But you, you know that he's got a really good head on his shoulders. And we all want him to be king, don't we? Uh, it's, it's, yes. It's, it's, it's as simple as that. But you want t t t Tywin to go, except you don't want him to go because he's, he's such an interesting horrible person. But that, uh, that again, he, was he, a wonderful he, he, death what? scene. That was a wonderful death scene with Tywin. Well, the death scene of Tywin. We couldn't believe it when we heard about it, S sitting on the loon, <laughs> <laughs> and his own son puts an arrow through him. <laughs> what was brilliant about that scene was not only that, which was a, an extraordinary, bold, and original idea, but the actual scene between the two of them. Wasn't it wonderful, the, 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 the argument, the discussion? And one thought that maybe he won't do it. Maybe the discussion is so interesting and so uh, abrasive and, and intelligent from both of them. Uh, that one thought maybe, maybe Tyrion won't actually do it. Won't, and then the, the first one goes in. And then he won't go down. He won't even fall down his own loo. It's, it's absolutely <laughs> wonderful. And there's more argument happens, more discussion happens, until finally the second one goes in and bang. But um, on, on that series, you, you spend a lot of time wishing somebody was dead or not wishing them dead. I, mean, I, want, I want Cersei well and truly dead. Oh, yeah. I, I want her absolutely out of my life. She, she's a sweet girl, the actress. Uh, she's a really nice girl. Uh, but that, that, that's acting, isn't it? <coughs> that's acting. So if I pass it out, does anybody have a question? Um, you'll have to come up to the mic to, to do the Ooh, questions, light. I'm afraid. Afternoon. Can you hear me all right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, good stuff. So I've just mentioned Game of Thrones, Pycelle, a great character, operates out of King's Landing, which to my understanding was filmed in Malta. Uh, my question is, what's your favourite part of Malta? Ah, I don't know Malta. We only filmed the first series in Malta. Uh, they had an argument with the local council. The council didn't think we cleared up some set properly, and so we had an argument and we left them now to Dubrovnik. Um, I don't have a favourite part. We, we literally lived in a hotel, went to a location, did it, came back to the hotel, and et and things around that part of the hotel. It's the, it's the, the posh end. Um, you obviously know it well. This is what you're going to ask me. I'm, Are you from Malta? No, no, I just frequent it quite often. Yeah, so yeah. what's that posh end? Um, Valletta? Mm. Or Medina? Yeah, that's right. Medina, the, yes, the, the, yes. the fortress city. Is that's right. The yes, top yes, of the hill, yes. yeah. I love being there, and the water's so lovely. 
Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, to swim in that water is absolutely glorious. Well, you can talk among yourselves, will you? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for the question. We'll go to the travel agent later. Is <laughs> <coughs> there anybody else? A long time ago, back in the 70s, now, if you can remember this, we'll be massively impressed. You were in the best ever Doctor Who episode, City of Death, opposite Catherine Von Schell and Tom Baker and Lala Ward. No, Von. Hey? No, Von. <laughs> Catherine Schell. Sorry, Catherine Schell, yes. Um, and there's a scene in that that me and my friends, we always look at it and go, what was that about? Um, there's a point where you get, you get punched out uh, as, you, uh, as the bad guy, um, and you wake up on the floor later, and there's this cringing scientist guy called Kerensky who says, Count, what has happened to your face? And we're looking at it, and there's nothing wrong with his face. It looks perfectly normal. And you say, oh, do you take issue with my face? I will use words, weapons stronger than words. Any idea? <laughs> So what I said earlier on, you know much more about it than I <laughs> What can I say? I have I thought, I thought no <laughs> memory of that scene at all. Never mind. It was I'm worth terribly again. sorry. I can't help you. I, I really do beg your pardon. I would love to be able to help. The only interesting thing, actually, is that the part of the young woman was supposed to have been played by my wife, Isla Blair, but she had another job, and she couldn't do it, which is a pity she'd have been here today if, if she had, because we'd have... We'd have cleaned up if we'd both been in that. <laughs> I, I'm so sorry, I can't remember. Can anybody remember? All. If they can remember, please tell him during the day. No, serious, seriously. Do you know Thank what you he very looks much like? for trying anyway. <laughs> Bless your heart. Thanks for, Bless you, sir. Thanks for the question. Uh, uh, 60s Doctor Who, did your son ask you about working with William Hartnell? Could you speak into it? Sorry. So, uh, 60s Doctor Who, did you sort of ask you about working with William Hartnell given he ended up playing Ian Chesterton in the biopic? I, I can't hear what he's saying. So he's saying about um, uh, playing with William Hartnell with the first Doctor. Playing with William Hartnell, sorry. Yeah. Yeah, and your son ended up playing Ian Chesterton. Do you, do you want me to know, tell you what it was like working with William Hartnell? No, or do you have a specific question? Oh, did, did your son ask you about it given he ended up playing... Uh, op uh, playing Ian Chesterton in the uh, Adventure in Space right. and Time. Yeah, so um, your, your son plays Ian Chesterton in... Um, the so biopic. Did your son ask you what it was like to work with William Hartnell? Well, that was all done in the studio in those days, of course. Um, we never got out. We didn't get to go to the Holy Land, as you might do now. Um, the joy of doing that series was working with Gene Marsh. Uh, who played my sister, who I was very fond of, and um, we still get on very well indeed. Uh, William Hartnell, I have to say, I mean, I don't speak ill of the dead. He was a, not a pleasant man to work with. He, uh, he had a chip on his shoulder about the sort of actor he was and the sort of actor that I was, I am, and the sort of actor that Gene is. And um, he, he was chippy and... Um, rather vicious in his speech, or ignored you, uh, and was not at all cooperative, only thought about what he was doing and not what other people were doing. I'm sorry to do that, but it's, it, I, I, I've been asked, and um, 
Uh, and I can't remember the story at all. <laughs> Thank you. Um, if you could play any role, whatever, in the entire universe, what would you play and who would you play it with? Oh, this, that's no good. I can't hear a bloody thing. She, she said... Say if it you, in ordinary language. If you can play any role in the whole world, yeah. which would, role would you play? Oh, well, uh, I can't play them now because uh, I'm too old for them. <laughs> um, you know, I played King Lear and... Um, tried to set that up again this year, but nobody would bite. Um, I wanted to play Lear actually at 80. That would be good, wouldn't it? Actually, if you actually are 80. Anyway, I'm 80 next week. Um, uh, I'd love to have had a crack at Bond. Oh. Uh, I was tested for it once, but I knew I wouldn't get it because we knew that Roger was probably going to be doing it. Roger Moore was probably going to do it. Um, and I wasn't very good in the test anyway. I'd love to have had a crack at that because it, not just for all the money and all that, but for uh, because there's a hell of a lot of it uh, for, for whoever plays James Bond. But to, to play someone that who's uh, so wonderfully urbane and yet so charming, yet so witty, uh, wonderful in bed, really. Well, 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 what are you what are you laughing at? <laughs> um, and yet has a cruel streak to uh, absolutely ruthless uh, when it comes to the point, only ever be ruthless for, for the right reasons, of course, but to, to have that streak in you, which would enable you to have a, 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 a trigger reaction to something which you had to get rid of. That's actually, to go on to a more serious area, um, was why I thought that my particular Bond film, not mine, the one that I was in, uh, was so particularly good because they decided in that to revert to James Bond being better at everything than everybody else. Not that if he pressed a button, a building 500 yards ago would, way would blow up, or he didn't have a, you know, the villain didn't have a hook in his hand and, and, and all that stuff. They were real people. Topol was a real person who we thought was the villain at the beginning. Um, he had to ski better, shoot better, ride better, talk better make love better. He had to do everything better than everyone else. And I thought that's what made it really good. That it was actually a, a, a physical and mental exercise for a human being, rather than something which was mechanical, mechanical. And that's why I loved being in that film. And that's why I thought that Roger was so good at it, because he's, he's, he's exactly all those things, yeah. lovely urbane and gorgeous and lovely and terribly. He's gorgeous as well. <laughs> yeah, I have to admit that. <laughs> Maybe that's why I didn't get the part. <laughs> come on, come on, come on. Oh. <laughs> you said earlier that Star Trek was the only franchise that you haven't been in. Well, yeah. I just wondered um, if you had had the chance to be in Star Trek, what would you, what would you like to have played in it? Somebody with pointy ears. <laughs> <laughs> And if ever there was a lucky actor, he was in, the, he was in America, and he was a very good actor. And I, I'd known him at Stratford in the Royal Shakespeare Company, very good actor. Uh, but he was in America doing something, and he was spotted, literally spotted at a party, that bald head and uh, those, that, that, those wonderful, slightly oriental eyes. And uh, he completely fitted into that slot, didn't he? I mean, it's just... 
and he played it exemplarily well. He was very lucky. But my God, talk about luck. It, it, that can happen in our business. It can happen. It can go the other way, too, of course. Uh, we know that. I think James Bond is the only one I'd have liked to have, of the film characters. There are Shakespearean characters I'd love to have played. L there certainly are. Um, but I'm too old. Mind you, I've been in, I've been in 30 of his 33 plays, so um, I, I've done all right. Yeah. <laughs> which which of the Shakespeare characters would you like to have played? Coriolanus, uh, Hamlet. Uh, Prospero? Who? Prospero. The I played Prospero. Oh, you played Yes, Prospero. there you go. So I played at Southampton. <laughs> <laughs> I played done did Prospero. Some <laughs> it's a pig of a part, Prospero. Yeah. Really different. Have you played it? No. Oh, no. <laughs> really, I've seen it, I've seen <laughs> not played it. Very difficult, very difficult part, very difficult part. Those are the two that I regret having not played. Um, there are several very good. I'd love to have played Iago. Um, Funnily enough, um, in those days when you could, I understudied. I, it was a cruel jerk, joke on the part of um, Tony Richardson, that director who put me into Tom Jones. Um, he directed Othello with Paul Robeson at Stratford, the great Paul Robeson. And Paul Robeson was ill for the first few weeks of rehearsals. And I was cast as his understudy, all of 21 years of age, tall, thin, white. Um, <laughs> Uh, but I did get to play it for uh, a couple of weeks during rehearsals, and it was absolutely wonderful doing that. I could never do it now, of course. I mean, the, I think the last white actor to play Othello um, was Tony Hopkins on the television uh, to, to do that thing called blacking up. Uh, couldn't possibly do it now. Um, so I'd love to have had a go at Othello. I would have, but Iago is the, yeah. really, really, he's, he's the arch villain because nobody knows why he did it. No, except he's an absolute bastard. <laughs> I just wanted to ask, is the mountain as big as he looks on the telly in real life? Who? The mountain? Yes. The mountain. Bigger. Bigger? <laughs> oh, Could he squash my head, really? <laughs> he's ridiculously big. And as charming as they come. Absolutely really? Absolutely lovely fella. Absolutely lovely fella. I've seen him on the uh, <laughs> Strongman. Contest. Oh, yes? He, went, he got second last, uh, last Did, year, yeah. yeah. Well, well, First in head squashing. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and eye removal. Eye <laughs> <laughs> You'd have to be pretty strong to do that, to, to get an eye out. <laughs> you would. Very strong thumbs. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I think that'll do it, won't it? Have we got any more? <coughs> Any more questions? No, you had enough of me. No. I'll be around all day. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> so what, what? A lot, several of these oh, people were, were, at the meet, were, hang on, were at the meet and greet that I did earlier on, <laughs> and they know all these answers to these questions. Oh, that young lady there knows everything. Come back! What's she doing for your birthday? What? You said you were 18 next week. That's a big one. Yeah, it's... Happy birthday. <laughs> so, do you have any I'm only going to have it once, though. This is very true. And uh, next, um, next, next Friday, I think it is. Yes. My, my wife is furious with me because... Well, you know this, too. Um, because I booked a, a convention next week in Utrecht in Holland. 
I did it last year. I didn't didn't think. And uh, she might have had a surprise. She, she's for not at all chuffed about it that I shall be in Utrecht. However, she was 70 last September, and she's in Made in Dagenham at the moment, the musical. And uh, and I was in a musical at the same time, and so we couldn't do anything about her birthday. And we can't do anything about it now because uh, she'll be still in her musical. But we'll be free in the summer. So in the summer, we're going to have a 150th birthday party. <laughs> if, uh, if, as my late mother used to say, I am spared. That's <laughs> marvellous. Oh, by the way. Thank you very much. <laughs> very kind of you. Thank you. Right, so um, in that case, well, thank you very much for appearing on stage here. I'd just like to, to very quickly say that um, now that we've done that, um, this is just one of the nicest one of these I've ever done. I know it's only, I'm only here for one day, and I've only just started. I've never done a meet and greet thing before uh, at any conventions, which, and I think it's a brilliant idea. Mind you, you can't do it if you're in Los Angeles and there are 75,000 people. <laughs> that you can't, this is a nice, friendly, um, and I'm sure I'll know all your faces by the end of the day. And I've already met about 30 of you, and, and I've never had that before. It's really nice, and the whole, the atmosphere, despite the fact I can't hear anything, um, but, but you will agree. The atmosphere in here is really nice and friendly, and no one's trying to get at me or anything like that, and so I thank you for what for being nice. Like.